Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes, brought to you by Harold's. This is your host, Jack Harold III. Our Turf Dudes are reaching out to industry leaders and game changers to discuss what they're seeing out there. If you have a topic suggestion or know of a Turf Dude with innovative work in the field we should feature, please let us know at turfdudes at heralds.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Dr. Raymond Snyder from a Harold's Educational Seminar recorded in Kiowa Island, South Carolina. Dr. Bruce Martin presents information about disease control options for Bermuda and Paspalum greens. For your reference, we've provided the slides Dr. Martin refers to on our website, www.turfdudes.com. This weather's beautiful outside. <laughs> if, I was, uh, if I was still in the diagnosis business, I'm sure the samples would start, start coming because uh, it's been kind of crappy. Even our fall was, was not great, I don't think, from a weather standpoint. We were pretty wet. I know all the rivers up my way are still in flood stage, and, uh, and so it's no good. The ones that are in, in yellow here are where uh, I'd say in the past 10 years or so there's been some action uh, from the standpoint of new labels. Uh, and, and some of those you may consider old, like tabuconazole. It's an old fungicide, but it's relatively new <laughs> from the standpoint of, of being labeled. So that would be Mirage uh, from the Bayer. Triticonazole would be uh, Trinity from BASF and so on. Uh, this mefentrifluconazole that you see there is the new Revisol. So I'm, that's the first time I'll, I'll speak of it, but that's a DMI fungicide. And so that's old chemistry. Does anybody know what the first DMI ever registered in turf was? Hush, back there. Tridomifon, yeah, Balaton. And I think 76 or 77 uh, was about the, the time. And, uh, you know, we've still got it, and it's been, it's been a pretty proven performer. The thing about any of these, uh, let's just stick with the DMIs, they're not all created equal. You know, we, we kind of tend to pay a lot of attention to these fungicide classes, and, and some things that's really important, like when you get dollar spot resistance because if you get resistance to Balaton, it's likely you're also gonna have resistance to Tebuconazole or Triticonazole or any of the other ones. Um, uh, so those things are important, but from the standpoint of their activity, their spectrum of activity, they vary. Uh, in some cases, uh, quite a bit. Uh, some of them are really strong growth regulators. We were just having a conversation uh, here a minute ago about growth regulation with uh, with DMIs and I know for some reason folks in Florida are scared to death of growth regulation. We're less scared of it I think up here but we're still concerned about it. We'd rather not have it but even among the those DMIs that you see up here there's there's a lot of variability in how much they growth regulate and it, it, a lot of it depends on timing. For instance, let's say creeping bent, since somebody decided to talk about bent down here in Bermuda country, you can, you can spray any of these to your heart's content on bent grass in cool weather, and, and you, you might get a little greening, but you're not gonna get any growth regulation that's gonna hurt you uh, at all. But if you spray them on Bermuda grass uh, at transition, you might not be happy, you know, when the grass is kind of at a weak point. 
Or if you just core aerified, you may notice, well, those holes aren't healing as quick as I'd like it, you know, and some of that just becomes an aggravation. Uh, but I, I, I guess the thing that bothers me that I still hear about is, uh, is people just saying, I ain't using DMIs, and they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater because they're excellent fungicides uh, as a group. And some of them, you know, they just control a lot. From the standpoint of the soil-borne diseases like uh, take-all root rot and uh, take-all uh, take patch and bent or spring dead spot, these are kind of, have been uh, kind of the linchpin until the QOIs came along. And, uh, and you know, they, they tend to control a broader spectrum of soil-borne diseases than even the QOIs do. So, so all that's good. Where there's been a lot of activity in the last five years has been in the carboxamide group, or also called the SDHIs. So you're hearing SDHI, that means succinate dehydrogenase inhibitor. It's a respiration inhibitor. So this is working through the mitochondria of the, of the fungi. The DMIs work by inhibiting cell membranes. But <laughs> the, first D, the first SDHI ever, ever labeled was that fungicide called carboxin. And carboxin is a 1960s seed treatment. It was called Vitavax. And I'm not so sure you can't still get it. Uh, it was used in, on cotton, soybean seed, things like that. Back many years ago, I worked on cotton, and Vitavax was one of the, or Cobarxin was one of the components that we would put on cotton seed to control Pythium and Rhizoctonia and Thalaviopsis, basically three, three or four different diseases. It was one of the components, and it was there to control Rhizoctonia. And... Uh, so the next one that came along, I think the first turf label was 1993, and that was Flutolanil, Prostar. And, you know, it's been a pretty solid performer ever since. That's an SDHI fungicide. So that's, that's an old one. Uh, Boscolid, though, Emerald, I'm going to put that in yellow because it, it got labeled about 12, 13 years ago. And then they just started coming. You know, Penthylpyrat is Velista, Flexoparoxad is Exemplar, uh, Asafetamid uh, is Kabuto. Uh, a lot of these have just been a couple, three years, you know, since the labels have come. The most recent one is Pitiflumethin, and that's, uh, help me out. Um, it's Syngenta's new one. So I thought I could roll. Yeah, Posterity. So that's just, I think, last fall or so. And then flew a pyram, you know, that we've been talking about for nematode control is actually an SDHI fungicide, which is very bizarre when you think about it. Uh, and, you know, Billy did a great job talking about that chemistry. And it also has fungicidal activity, so it's a pretty good dollar spot material, you know, and it, it controls some leaf spot and some other things. Uh, what that should tell you though, flutolanil, what is it good for? Fairy ring is what we use it for. It'll, it'll control brown patch, it'll control large patch, it'll control red thread, things like that, but it's only good for that group of fungi, the basidiomycetes. Uh, but boscolid, to take the other extreme, emerald, is only good basically for dollar spot. And it was labeled for an obscure little disease called bentgrass dead spot. And, uh, 
It actually has a little Rizoc activity and a little fairy ring activity, but nothing to shake a stick at. What I'm getting at is there's a broad range of activity in that group. And when fluopyran came along and they showed it was a nematicide, it made their range even even larger, I think, and, and more bizarre. So you kind of go down through there. An old chemical that I did work on back in the 90s was fluazinam, and that's secure. So secure is reasonably new. Uh, I'm really glad that we got secure labeled. Uh, they should have labeled it back in the mid-90s. It's an excellent fungicide, and it's a contact with broad spectrum activity. So it gives us kind of a partner that we can either mix, and there's some mixtures coming out now of, of fluazinam that aren't sold by Syngenta. So it's off, it's off patent. So you're gonna start to see that showing up, I think for good reason, in, in some other products. So kind of keep an eye out for fluazinam. It turns out to be a really good dollar spot. Yeah. It, it yeah. Just had trouble getting registered, and then all of a sudden somebody got registered, and then it was like, boom, you know. Here, here well, you that's right. It was off patent when uh, Cleary's actually uh, registered, you know, got it registered in a very narrow label for turf, and I think Bayer was looking more at broad label, yes. which is harder to get, you know, with EPA, and because it was off patent, you know, Cleary's could could play. Links. Links. Yeah. And it, it's an awesome fungicide. It's a great fungicide. It's one of my favorite fungicides in bent grass tank mixed with daconil. Because in bent, it actually doesn't growth regulate that much <laughs> in hot weather. You can spray that one with, with a little daconil and be okay. And, uh, and man, does it control diseases. It's really good. So then you come down... Uh, you know, the phosphonates have been out since the 70s also, and the first one was, was Aliette, phosphatyl aluminum. Uh, all of these basically work the same. Most of what you see now are, are labels of either fertilizers or fungicides that are some salt of, of phosphide, of, of, and most of them are potassium phosphides. So Titlephyte from, from Harold's is an example of that. Uh, it turns out that these things are bona fide fungicides. Back when I was uh, in school, we, we were kind of taught that these things only worked as kind of plant health promoters and not as, not as fungicides, but it turned out the methodology was a little off in, in evaluating them, and they found out they are fungicidal. They're really good pythium products, you know, uh, across the board. They're, they're good pythium products. Turns out they're, they're good for anthracnose. <laughs> anthracnose and cool season grasses, and it's a direct fungicidal effect on, on anthracnose. And uh, I think there's been some recent work out of Europe showing effectiveness on pink snow mold, on microdochium. And then I've heard rumors, <laughs> and nobody's proven this to my knowledge, that they work in suppressing leaf spot in Bermuda grass, and somebody ought to, ought to look at that. Um, but then there's also another aspect of those that, uh, that are plant health promoters. And of course, uh, you know, Bayer has uh, signature formulations and Signature Extra is their newest one that is a mixture of the active ingredient plus some additives that are 
antioxidants, I believe is what I've been told, and, and help to uh, reduce some of the oxidative stress that can happen to, to plants. So they kind of have a plant health component and a fungicidal component as well, which is all good. Segway down there, great pythium material, but it's a one-trick pony. <laughs> it's no good for anything other than pythium. And, uh, and yet, it's the man, you know, on pythium. It's, uh, in fact, the first label I ever saw was called Ran Man. It's the man, you know, and, uh, and, it, and it controls more pythium species across the board than any of the other pythium fungicides. So that's kind of what you have. The fluopicolide was relatively new. It's a component in Stellar that came, that actually came from Valent, but the fluopicolide component doesn't help us in turf. It's, uh, it's not that active on pythium. It's active on Phytophthora and downy mildews, which we don't have in, in turf. Then the last one really should not be on a fungicide chemical label because it's not a fungicide, and that's acebenzolar. That's the action, endacanil action or heritage action. So someone mentioned uh, salicylic acid, Raymond. Salicylic acid uh, promotes a uh, systemic acquired resistance phenomenon in plants that's been known for many, many years. Uh, Acebenzolar does a similar thing. It, it acts along that same pathway in plants and promotes some, some plant health effects. So I'm uh, not going to talk about the things that aren't in yellow, but just there has been a fair amount of pretty good activity. Uh, for some reason, we've been lucky so far, and we haven't lost a lot of things. Now Benamil's been gone forever. Chlorineb, I don't know if you can get chlorineb anymore. <laughs> There's really not much reason to have it. Vinclozolin is gone now, finally. There's some pressure on some of these chemistries. We still have Macazib, and years ago we, we were told we were going to lose that. In Bermuda grass, I still love Macazib. <laughs> I think it's a great contact material. So, uh, It is important, the characteristics of the fungicides, to pay attention to that. So. The class of chemistry, the QOIs are going to be the heritage, the fame, uh, things like that, the DMIs, SDHIs, and phosphonates that I've just kind of talked about. And then the effectiveness within the class is important to know that. Some of the physical characteristics of these fungicides is also important to know from the standpoint of where they go when, when they're applied. And, and Billy Crow was talking about abamectin sticking right up at the top. It has a very high KOC. It's the affinity of that chemical to bind to organic matter, pretty much, or soil colloids. And so that, that's probably important. Photodegradation, abamectin photodegrades, he said, very quickly. Half-life in soil, the long one that fluopyrum has, may explain some of the long-term effects that we see out of indemnify. So all those things are kind of cool to know and, and maybe will help in predicting uh, how a material works or why it works the way it works. Uh, my favorite thing is that last bullet, which would be the first bullet, and that's how good are they? <laughs> how much can you use? When, when do you use them? How do you use them? And, and what can you expect? Out of, uh, out of them. So that's still the thing. If we can get a plant health benefit out of some of these, that's great. 
Uh, I kind of think about the broad uh, idea of plant health and that fungicides are relieving a, a known stress, a biological stress, and therefore they're promoting plant health. The plant is able to, to tolerate that infection or resist that infection and uh, gives a little bit of, uh, of an edge, in some cases a phenomenal edge, uh, to, uh, to get over the stress period and the disease pressure. So with the weather we have outside right now, what, what do you think might be going on? What do you think we're in danger of right now in Bermuda grass? Pythium for sure. Algae. Algae. <laughs> An algae, leaf spot, uh, microdochium probably, pink snow mold, pink patch. Cream leaf blight. Which is pink patch, same, same disease. So all of those things, and most of those you can control with good contacts, like Hyperdyne 26GT, uh, Interface would be a good one. Uh, any of the QOIs actually will control most of that, but you can go with cheaper alternatives and still do a pretty good job of kind of knocking them down. And then pretty soon as we, as we start going into transition, that's when I really like the signature for <laughs> in Bermuda grass, and it gets you your algae. You might spray some now because you're getting algae. You got algae control, you got leaf spot control, and you have pythium control in that in that combo. You just have a short residual. But with the weather forecast, it might be a good might be a good move right now. So there's a lot of options. Um, so you know, I've already I've already mentioned this a little bit. Uh, one other thing that I will mention: uh, this methantrifluconazole is going to be called Maxtema. That's from BASF. So this is the new uh, DMI that is that BASF is anticipating the label. The last I heard was May. It was supposed to be about now, but when the government shut down for, for a month or whatever, it, it shoved everything back and, and a lot of problems in EPA getting to it. What is this, that supposed to be good for? Well, it's good for, <laughs> it's basically good for damn near everything except brown patch. It's kind of almost what is it not good for? And the thing about it that's unique is that it doesn't growth regulate that I can tell. So like similar to diphenconazole? It's similar to diphenconazole. Uh, more wide spectrum though? More wide spectrum probably, and it's a single component fungicide, whereas diphen you can only get in Briskway, um, which, is, which is nice. Now they're going to come out with their diphen, uh, which is going to be called Nav Navicon, which is going to be a mixture with pyracylstrobin, basically an insignia plus methantrifluconazole, no growth regulation, and then you get you get the brown patch with the with the uh, uh, paraclostrobin component. How about, how about the pedigree? Uh, what do you think about that compared to regular ProStars? Is it just an easier to use formulation? Or? Well, I think they're both. Would you rather pour it out or weigh it out? I'd rather pour it out <laughs> than ProStar. Okay. Take it up with those guys. Why don't y'all come up with a flowable ProStar? <laughs> But that it's pro it's flutolnail. It works quite well. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. I've tested it. it it's a good it's a good product. Um, what, what do you think about Union? I know it's not on there, but what do you think about Union? Just, remind me what's in Union. Uh, uh, Is that the uh, Zoxy plus Segway? 
Yeah, okay, I saw that. Uh, it's hard for me to keep up with these things. Uh, that's why I need to know what the actives. Uh, it's fine, you're gonna pick up, you're gonna get broad spectrum from the azoxy and you're gonna get pythium from the Segway, but you're still gonna be under the limits of Segway. That's gonna be the limiting factor of how much you can spray. So if I was getting that, I'd be going like, okay, I need the Segway. What is the Azoxy gonna do for me also? Uh, maybe not, uh, to me, I don't know. I'd rather have the single components and put them together if I need them for certain things, but you know, they may sell the heck out of it. It's, it's not a crazy mixture other than there's a little bit of an issue theoretically with resistance. Uh, because both of them are labeled for Pythium. Both of them, in theory, would be moderately to, to higher risk of resistance. And according to G11's old boss, you know, you're going you're gonna to develop multiple resistance. Dr. Vargas is who he got his PhD with. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, you know, uh, and then, but, but it is a good point that a lot of mixtures are out there and they're coming. And I like some of these mixtures because some of them are bona fide synergistic mixtures for certain diseases, like Lexicon. Lexicon, the paraclostrobin component, does not control spring dead spot, zip. The <coughs> exemplar component is about 50% control. You put them together and you got 80 or 90% control. And uh, you know, the same thing actually with headway. Uh, Azoxy, Strobin, Heritage won't control spring dead spot worth a darn. And propiconazole is okay if you get the rates up. <laughs> but you put them together and you got something that actually will do it. If you didn't have the growth regulation in headway, which is, can be kind of hot, you'd, you'd have something pretty good. So you kind of have to still keep the rates down on greens, but you do have some true synergy there. And Briskway, I think, is synergistic. So some of those things are, are great. Xteris is a, is a good product. Uh, so that's an SDHI fluopyram plus a QOI, trifloxy, labeled for uh, foliar disease. And the Navicon is that mixture that's coming out uh, whenever the uh, methantrifluconazole gets its, gets its label. So exemplar, you know, that's relatively new fungicide. It's an SDHI. Unlike the old SDHIs, what we're kind of seeing with some of the new ones, not all of them, we're seeing a broader spectrum of control out of them. So more diseases are on the label. It's not like ProStar, just Decidiomyces, or Emerald, just Dollar Spot. Now you've got some, some of these that are controlling a lot of diseases. Velista has a lot of diseases on the label. Now another thing to kind of just give you a heads up, is if you go to the internet and you pull up the, the label off the website, a lot of the time, like the Velista is going to list those diseases up there, dollar spot, brown patch, anthracnose, and end with snow mold, and you might go, well, I wanted to use it for spring dead spot. I don't see that label. Well, it's because spring dead spot was added, uh, should be, yeah, SDS, as a, as a two double E, uh, which is a label expansion, and you got you got to look for those two double E labels on the internet to, to get the. What happens is is when new fungicides come out, 
The company's going to spend lots of money on the diseases that are going to pay them back. Dollar spot, anthracnose, brown patch, pythium, things like that. And then some of these other uh, diseases like summer patch or spring dead spot, more regional uh, diseases, uh, they'll get to them when they can. And it takes a lot of money, as Raymond has found out, to support research. And, uh, and, it, and it just takes time to get the data to, to expand those labels. Posterity, that's the one I couldn't remember the name of, uh, is, is the latest one. And this one actually has a very narrow label, so it's, it's going almost back to some of the things like emerald a little bit, because initially, you know, the label says, for con prevention control of dollar spot and other diseases. Well, you look at other diseases, and it's only four other diseases or three other diseases. Now, I'm not saying that'll be the end of it, because they'll continue to test it, uh, and, and other diseases may, get, may be labeled eventually. One thing I about uh, some of these new SDHIs is, is we're getting more that are uh, labeled for fairy ring, including Kabuto from PBI. And that's another one, dollar spot and spring dead spot. But they know they have fairy ring control, so you'll probably, you'll probably see fairy ring added as a, as a uh, two double E label. The other thing, because these are respiration inhibitors uh, and there's a pretty good chance of resistance developing, it's already been documented in dollar spot, is there's going to be label, label restrictions on how much you can apply in a season. So putting together a program, you know, you're going to have to pay attention to that. And, and because we have so many SDHIs out there, there's a danger. I mean, it's legal to say, well, I, did, I didn't apply more than 3.2 ounces of, of uh, posterity or, or Kabuto, and so I'm going to rotate to, to posterity or something else, and it's still in that SDHI class. And you're, so you're adding selection pressure to some 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 pathogens that uh, could promote more resistance. Now in paspalum, uh, you know paspalum is is a weird grass. Let's just admit it. It's a <laughs> it's a warm season grass that acts like a cool season grass. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, it's an interesting grass. It, it gets a lot of diseases, but it also has a phenomenal root system. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy, the, the roots that that, uh, that grass will, will form. And I think that's given it, I'm sorry Billy's not here, but out here on this island, this is Sting Nematode Central on this island, and those guys that have gone to Paspalum and in, in what, from what I've learned, don't, don't worry about nematodes much anymore. And, uh, and pardon? Yeah, I know. Uh, now it's got weaknesses. It doesn't have good low temperature tolerance. It, it gets dollar spot out the wazoo regardless of the cultivar. <laughs> They'll tell you, well, mine is resistance. Well, BS, just wait. It'll get it and get it with a vengeance. And uh, so... Uh, I better be careful. I'm not sure Clemson's going to support me if I get sued. <laughs> uh, so I might have to start lying here anyway. Uh, but it gets a lot of diseases, and, and, and the, you know, the list is not 
all that different from what we'd see off of Bermuda grass. It's just how these diseases are manifested are, are kind of different. For instance, it gets Rhizoctonia zea, Rhizoctonia leaf and sheath spot, but I've never seen it resolve into a mini ring patch. <laughs> Something that resembles mini ring that we see in Bermuda grass, which is also caused by Rhizoctonia zea. You get more of a diffuse thinning uh, area with it on Paspalum. And probably we know that that disease is a low fertility disease and that good root system is probably just taking up more available nutrients. Of course, you can barely have to, you don't even want to fertilize past palum much or you'll destroy green speed, I guess. And, and so yet with that big root system, you're capturing more of the available nutrients that are there. We've seen a weird curvilinear on on uh, on past palum uh, sometimes that it's a bona fide disease. It it produces a, a little necrotic dark colored patch, and like uh, the old curvilinear blight that we used to see on Bermuda grass, iprodion seems to be the the ticket uh, to, for for controlling it. Whereas dacanil won't hardly touch it. Um, one of these days it's going to quit raining on the east coast and we're going to have a drought again and when we do and and some of you that are still overseeding we'll see rapid blight again uh and and the reason i had that listed on the paspalum list is because most of you are using paspalum because your salts are so high and uh and the salt is the kit is the key <laughs> for rapid blight the, the organism itself uh, has a sodium requirement. So dollar spot, uh, there's take all root rot in Paspalum. You know, all right, I'll look at that and I'll go, okay, it's not that big a deal. Probably that, probably that root system is, is ha ha you know, helping things out. Now I've gotten samples of Paspalum where the roots were garbage. They were just rotted and horrible. And, and I, I do think we still have a lot to learn about the diseases on Paspalum, particularly the root diseases. But if I kind of just go back and think about how many samples I used to get. Now, we don't have a lot of Paspalum, but most of the Paspalum samples I got came from Florida. The ones down here, once, once folks on this island got dialed in, they, they figured it out uh, by and large. And I think their biggest chronic problem is dollar spot. And this weather right now, my theory is somebody, this would be a great research project, is that the salts in your irrigation water actually suppress dollar spot. And when you get a lot of rain and it leaches those salts out, dollar spot bangs out of it. But you can irrigate it. You could probably irrigate the same amount of water and not see the dollar spot because the salt suppresses it. And I know Ronnie Duncan used to, and still does, I think recommend a lot of calcium. Well, that calcium is a salt. <laughs> that could be, it could be a salt effect that's suppressing the disease and not necessarily, you know, thickened cell walls and things like that. I don't really know, but uh, it's just speculating. Paspalum gets pythium quite readily. Uh, we see pythium root rot in it sometimes. Uh, that's a crappy picture. If you ever uh, spent a, a few hours with me in the lab looking at past palum roots, you'd go nuts because it's like looking through a log trying to, <laughs> trying to see down through there. The cells are so thick and, and woody 
It's worse than Bermuda grass trying to actually see down into the root system, but there's some pythium in that root. Uh, believe me, <laughs> Rob, you see them shining up there on the edge of the cortex, but uh, not a great picture. It gets it, in, and I've seen actually streaking pythium in fairways uh, with, with paspalum, much like you would see in, in ryegrass. Uh, it's a magnet for large patch, uh, particularly when the paspalum is young, newly established. As it matures, I think you, you start to get some tolerance of the disease, but large patch, Rhizoctonia solani, uh, it kind of goes along with paspalum. I kind of like this picture because it's showing uh, some large patch just kind of gets started here. And I like that drainage. <laughs> supplementary drainage the guys put in because he's removing that excess water anytime any place you have water standing or, or poor drainage is where that disease can just go hog wild and so he's doing a great cultural practice there to lessen the, the effect of that disease uh, on paspalum so what you end up doing with dollar spot paspalum and probably microdokium is spraying uh, in the fall uh, and the spring for for large patch and dollar spot and uh, maybe occasionally in the summertime for dollar spot uh, there's an old picture of some young paspalum and young mini verde I'm showing the same disease going across both grasses <laughs> so there's no host preference or anything like that with those with those fun fungi they'll go for it uh, large patch control, uh, there's exemplar, this is a trial I did a few years ago, a couple of years ago, exemplar at the high rate, Velista at the high rate, compared to ProStar at 2.2 ounces, I think we did uh, uh, one or two fall applications followed by spring, and basically some of these new uh, SDHIs do pretty good job similar to ProStar. This is a difficult disease to control if you want to control it absolutely. Uh, the key in my opinion is two fall plus one spring app if you want to really control it uh, and have a chance of really. Now if mother nature overwhelms you, I don't care what you spray, <laughs> you get you know 10 inches of rain in, in a week, I don't care what you've sprayed, the large patch is going to go for it. And, and same thing happens in zoysia. Uh, here's another uh, another experiment. Uh, this is turf density here. This is a looking a little bit at the uh, regulation that we might get out of Trinity in the fall. I think it gave us a little bit, not much. Uh, excellent control from Exemplar Trinity. Trinity followed by Exemplar, uh, and then ProStar. And microdokium patch, uh, Paspalum gets this quite a bit. This weather we're having right now is ideal. It's ideal. It's uh, we're about in the 40s. Usually refrigerator temps, you know, plus or minus uh, five degrees, mainly plus, and uh, and wet, <laughs> constantly wet. And this thing goes to town. And it starts out of these little spots that you won't know what it is. And you really need a diagnostic lab to tell you what that is. But you don't have to be fancy to control it. You use Dacanil 2.6, do a combination of Dacanil and 2.6, 
and you'll be you'll be pretty good with that disease. There's kind of the I, I'm sorry I don't have an in the field uh, picture of it, but this this thing causes little water soaked spots that can get baseball sized if it's left uncontrolled, and that's really typical of what you see on cool season grasses. Mm -hmm. And you can see some of the fungus sporulating there in the middle of that water-soaked patch. Real super easy disease to diagnose. And that incubated, you know, in the mail. I got that sample from somebody probably a couple of days wrapped up tight in that foil. It was a nice incubation. And what he was seeing is as those little pencil spots now became a big spot, uh, because he didn't spray before he sent the sample, <laughs> which is really critical if you want to get a, a good diagnosis. Um, so here's uh, ProStar Balaton. This is actually incidental data that I got on Paspalum uh, from a large patch trial showing some control from Exemplar, Lexicon, and then ProStar plus Balaton, and the Balaton's doing the heavy lifting uh, there. And that Balaton is that half-ounce rate, kind of a kicker. Uh, more Paspalum data on Microdochium. This is from Maria Tomaso Peterson at Mississippi State. Again, getting pretty good control out of most things that she had in the trial there. So, uh, does anybody have any weird diseases in Paspalum that have been plaguing you or anything that's kicking your butt? Be honest, it happens to everybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, you've got a raft of SDHI fungicides out there now that have good activity. I would be thinking of having secure in the rotation so you don't overspray and develop resistance or Dacanel. You know, Mancozeb doesn't control dollar spot very well, so that's not a good choice from a broad spectrum rotation. The, some of the DMIs do a good job, and Paspalum is very tolerant of DMIs. So you don't have the growth regulation uh, fear of pas that you might have on Bermuda on Paspalum. So, you know, Tebuconazole is pretty good. Uh, actually, Old Balaton, they, they don't hardly get much better than that for Dollar Spot. That was a real strength of Balaton. And, uh, you know. So you might want to use that while you still have it, because that's one I think that that uh, there's a little pressure on. Well, what's the frequency in terms of application? Every, every 10 days to two weeks in this type of weather. Right. When it warms up, like last week when it was warmer, we had, so if you're not on it. Yeah, and now a lot of these things will say 21. You know, I can tell right now BASF is, is inching towards a 28-day uh, interval on this new methantrifluconazole. It looks excellent in our trials, but I would never, uh, under heavy disease pressure, think any fungicide is going to give you 28 days control, because you guys put the stress on it that we can't in our in our field trials. So it's like you said with the rain. As soon as it dries up and we're on irrigation water, then we don't really have the issue. Yeah. And or at actively growing. So right. Yeah, it's all weather related, so the intervals, right. Yeah, I, I wish we had some miracle drug for, for Dollar Spot, but we don't.
you know, other than these, these fungicides come pretty close. They're really good, but you got to be careful with overusing. And, uh, Do you guys get heavy rain here in the summer? Yeah. And does the dollar spot clear up? Well, like last August last year was a huge problem for yeah. So you yeah, it was like whatever we were spraying last August, when nothing was working really. And it's just been a lot of rain. Yeah. Cool temperatures for, for August. <clears throat> Rob, you have any suggestions to improve it? No, he's an old yeah, dollar yeah. spot guy. Yeah. How much in are y'all using on your greens in a year on Paspale? I'd say we're using quite a bit because there's a lot in the irrigation water. Oh, okay. So more than I realize. Yeah. Okay, the F line yeah, I wasn't thinking about. You know, by the fertility and I, I, that plant just holds so much moisture on that leaf wood too. Yeah. Are you guys are you rolling as part of the program as well? I mean, there's been a lot of work with the rolling. And yeah, the problem with the roller on the past pile, when the plant's trying to shut down, it wants to crush that leaf tissue, and then we, we yeah, have so bigger problems. Yeah, so that fall winter time yeah. period is when it's so yeah. that's when we're seeing. Get out ahead of it. Yeah, it's well, in other words, spray year round. <laughs> yeah, go back to that first program I showed you on slide one. You know, <laughs> so Pythium, uh, if I were to wish for you know a new fungicide, it wouldn't be another SDHI, <laughs> it would be a Pythium material or possibly an, another good nematicide. To me, those are still weak areas in our kind of arsenal. Uh, some of these things, you know, really, to be honest, they weren't all that great <laughs> to begin with, even though they're labeled for pythium. And I, I would put the uh, QOIs like Heritage Insignia and Fame. Uh, Compass was never labeled for pythium, so it's not on here. Uh, and there's one other one called uh, Mandistrobin that has no pythium activity at all. These have pythium activity, but if you look at the label, it's always the high rate and the shortest interval, which ought to tell you it's going to give you some pythium control over a short period of time. So a good time, you know, maybe to use those would be at seeding, you know, or something like that if you were seeding Poetrivialis because it's going to give you broad spectrum control, Rhizoc leaf spots, everything else. There's a lot of kind of fusarium and stuff that you see on seedlings uh, that you don't see any other time, and that might be a good time. But I would not use the QOIs as first-tier Pythium products. Subdue. Subdue in some ways is almost worn out as welcome. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a miracle drug when it first came out, but it's been out as long as the phosphonates, 1976-77. And it, it is prone to resistance, plus there are pythium species that just aren't, aren't controlled by, by subdue. Uh, Banol actually is a little more of a uh, better performer these days than, than subdue is, a little more consistent. I would still not put that, I, I mean, none of these perform as well as Segway. 
And then if you if you have a big outbreak of Pythium, you kind of get caught with your pants down and you got Pythium that's really active, then really nothing much better than Terrazol to knock it down <laughs> in a quick way. Or I still like good old four plus whatever, you know. Uh, four plus subdue used to be a an old uh, kind of standby knockdown Pythium material, and it does a pretty good job. Uh, Segway is also actually a very good curative. <laughs> Even though I've got preventive in, in color, you see there all the labels almost say preventive. Well, you know, every fungicide works better preventively, but Pythium is such an explosive disease, it's hard to predict Pythium. So it's hard to be preventive unless you're spraying all the time. And the only fungicide up there that I think that we can spray in a routine way are the phosphides. And the reason I say that is because we have not seen resistance problems with it. I would never say never, but those have been out for a long, long time. A lot of them have been used uh, for many years and they still perform. Uh, so I'll talk about that in a little bit. Segway would be great if you could spray it more, but you can only spray it three times at the high rate. So in Bermuda, that makes a, a real challenge. To me, the, the, the times, you know, I wouldn't be using Segway in the middle of the summertime on Bermuda grass. You're just not under that high risk. When you start getting into the middle of the fall, you get this funky kind of weather. Your, your Bermuda is really going into dormancy, that's when, or semi-dormancy, that's when Pythium can be most damaging. You know, I might, depending on the weather, put a half rate out, or if it's really, really bad, I might pull a full rate out. But typically, if I use Segway, I'd probably use only a half rates and conserve it for another outbreak, you know, while I was in high risk in the winter and early spring. And we're still kind of in the high risk uh, timing right now. Not saying, I'm, you know, this might be the time to, to kind of pull some of that out. Uh, but you can also use that curatively. So there's a nice little Pythium root rod outbreak on Bermuda grass. And this actually happened on a, on a golf course uh, near me who was using phosphites in the wintertime preventively decided to leave nine holes out of the phosphite and this thing blew up on him and of course he's looking at those patches until transition the thing that's kind of interesting it's kind of like a lot of root rots uh it's it's attacking the roots but not the stolons so much now it'll rot the stolons if it's left uncontrolled but you still got organs that you can grow new roots from so he went ahead and treated this and then grew a new root system once soil temperatures warmed up enough to, to recover and was okay. He didn't lose grass, but he had ugly greens uh, for a while. Uh, now, this balanced approach uh, that's been talked about, this is kind of our study. Uh, the reason uh, I kind of got interested in this, uh, well, all diseases are affected by fertility. <laughs> Let's just face it. I mean, some of them, you fertilize too much, yeah, you're going to promote more microdochium patch or more pythium if you have too much nitrogen. But you can have more pythium root rot if you have too little nitrogen. You can have more symptom expression and things like that. So uh, 
when Raymond uh, came to me with this this idea, you know, they had they had program one up there, kind of their full fertility program. You've heard about a lot of the products that were that were being used in this, plus a full fungicide program that we jointly developed with Title Fight. And the Title Fight was going on every two weeks at a three ounce rate. So kind of a half rate every two weeks routinely. And I, I thought, okay, what are you going to compare it to? <laughs> I, you know, the check, well, I don't, I don't have a check. You don't, nobody, you don't have a real check. You don't not spray Bermuda grass. That's nonsense, a waste of time. So I decided, well, let's cut the fertility in half and have a full fungicide with Tidal Fight, or let's do the full fertility and a full fungicide without the Tidal Fight. I want to see what the Tidal Fight's doing. The reason I wanted to see that is, is after some of these hurricanes and, and god-awful falls that we've had, some superintendents that had been using phosphites routinely weren't being injured as much from from some of these storms. So I wanted to test that, you know, in a program approach. All right, so half fertility, full fungicide. Can we overcome the low fertility programs that we hear some people doing, uh, you know, as long as we have a good <coughs> fungicide program? And then a full fertility, basic fungicide program, uh, and, and both of those were without tile fight. Anyhow. So I think this, didn't you have a handout going around or something? Yeah, I handed Because you can't put all this in a page <laughs> or on a slide. But there's the fertility uh, with the Harold's products there. When we, you know, when I first saw this, I thought, God, we can, we're going to be putting 10 pounds of in out on this Tiff Eagle, and it's going to be crazy. And I added it all up, and uh, I think we were at about five and a half pounds, which I thought, that's right where we ought to be. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Uh, and it's a mixture of sprays and, and granules, the granule being the true peril. The full fungicide program is robust. And in some ways, it's kind of written not to piss off anybody. So everybody's program is out. Everybody's got something in the game, you know. Uh, and then the half program is, is not, you know, skinny, really. You know, it's, it's okay. But I'm using some generics like Torque uh, instead of Mirage, uh, you know. But still, there's there's good fungicides there, and and of course, uh, the True Prill went out six times at a half a pound. That's in the full program, or three times at a half a pound in the half program. And then all the foliars were cut in half. Uh, everything got primo at that rate, three ounces per acre. Everything got par at, uh, I just did it at eight ounces every couple of weeks, and then some programs got titled and some did not. So here's the data. Y'all have any questions? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I know that's crazy to look at, and I'll, I'm going to break it out here in a minute, but you can look at that and come to some conclusions because some things are tapering off. We started the thing in the spring and we had horrible turf quality. I just put this on a green that we'd ignored. So it was rough. And uh, turns out, Raymond, there was some sting nematode in there. Not a huge population, but some, and root knot. We ignored the nematodes other than there was some exteris. Uh, 
And, and we did this thing pretty much year round, and that's the data right through almost Christmas time. But see how the treatments are separating in the fall. So I think the fall for us is a key time. You know, that's when, you know, bad things can happen. And because we're dependent on strong grass to have good transitions, to me, that's when you need to kind of stack things up from the standpoint of, of good disease control and good fertility. All right, so let's just look at that full program with the effect of tidal fight, with or without tidal fight. Well, it turned out it was significant that where we had the tidal fight every two weeks. That top line is the tidal fight. Turf quality of eight for me is really excellent because my scale only goes to nine. <laughs> and I never give anything a nine. <laughs> so I'm not using the full scale. So that's excellent turf quality all the way through pretty much. And then, uh, you know, when I drop below about seven and a half, you can see it. You know, you can, it's thinner, it's a little not uniform. It's not great. It's not horrible, but it's not great. So I thought, okay, well, that, that explains it. Now what's going on? Chronic pythium root rot control, maybe, possibly. Uh, some plant health effects, possibly. Control of some, you know, things like curvularia, suppression of leaf spot possibly all of that. In fact, when we, we look at bona fide diseases, we saw less disease of, I think, both dollar spot and leaf spot. So I do have a little data on that leaf spot question. I just think more needs to be done. Uh, this is actually the low fertility treatment with and without tidal fight. And, uh, you know, not quite significantly different, <laughs> but something a little bit tantalizing and what that tells me is that bad things happen when you don't fertilize enough and uh, no matter what you're not going to uh, overcome that effect uh, i don't think this is the full fungicide versus the basic so the full fungicide program turf quality of eight pretty much from may all the way to christmas and our turf quality varied and went down in the fall uh, with, the, with the lower fungicide program. Now, does everybody have to spray that much? I mean, probably not. To me, what you do and how you do it, it all ought to be based on logic <laughs> and disease pressure and things like that. But it also should be uh, on your risk tolerance. <laughs> and in some ways, what you're really paying for is, is how much risk do you want to accept. And that how you accept that risk ought to come with some understanding of diseases and weather and all that because that risk changes. The risk is really low in the summer. If you want to cut out a bunch of fungicide in the summer, go for it. You know, as long as your site conditions are, are decent for growing grass, but when you start getting into the fall, to me, the risk goes up. That's where you start to tighten things up a little bit, and, and you can do that. And you'll probably still be able to have your cake and eat it too, but it, I'm not saying it's easy. It's just uh, that's what we saw. This is a full fungicide versus the basic at low fertility, pretty much the same thing, except we never really kept up our turf quality to the eight or above. 
So I, I thought it was a cool experiment, although it nearly killed us because <laughs> we were spraying or applying something and rating every week for darn near a year. I, I felt like I was a superintendent. <laughs> and I was like, man, this is a hard job. <laughs> so Pythium. Pythium is a big deal uh, in warm season grasses, and it's a big old black box. It would be a great uh, area for somebody to have a lot of fun in and learn more about it. Uh, I think we actually have Pythium root dysfunction in Bermuda grass. The reason I say that, and some of you have seen this slide before, just it came from from a, a guy who was going through a grow-in, and a lot of people are still renovating. They're, they're tearing out their old Bermuda or their bent or whatever, and they're, going, they're renovating, changing to an ultra-door. And the sod farms in the past few years have been happy, happy, happy. They're selling a lot of grass. Uh, this particular guy, his grass quit growing in the middle of his grow-in. Long story short, he had Pythium. And... Uh, and yet when I looked at the root system, it looked pretty normal. <laughs> but look at the tops. They're all yellow and thin and, you know, and, and something's not right there. Looked at the root system and if, if it weren't for the pythium all through the roots, you'd say that was a normal looking root. The cortex is intact. There's even intact root hairs coming off of it. They look normal. They're white and yet the grass wasn't growing. So in his case, I suggested a phosphite. I, I suggested signature. Heads up there. I did y'all. You made a sale. And, uh, and then I suggested lexicon to follow up. And the reason lexicon is because it had some pythium activity. It had broad spectrum activity also. But what I was really thinking was when BASF first came out with this, they did little demos of sprigging establishment in trays. And they used this at GIS and all those kind of neat little show and tell things. And, and they were showing how quick the sprigs would cover with lexicon compared to without. And I thought, you know, we, you know, we should be doing that in grow-ins. And I've done some other stuff on sod farms with disease control where we treat on the sod farm. And, and, and it makes a difference in establishment of sod with certain diseases uh, or not. And, and it turned out, you know, BASF has a relationship with Pinehurst. When Pinehurst started converting from Bent to Bermuda, BASF worked with the Browns in Texas to treat the, the sprig fields in Texas of the grass that was going to Pinehurst. And then they noticed with the non-treated sprigs that they weren't getting as good an establishment. You could visually see the difference in the growing. So, also, uh, Kathy Kamowitz with BASF and I wrote a program for Tim Hires down in Florida who was going through massive renovations of two golf courses in the same year where he had to grow in one and get it under play in time, you know, and then do a second course uh, after that. And it was like, you know, failure was no object. And we wrote a program that had lexicon going on the on the sprig fields in Georgia two times, and then when it got when the sprigs were planted, had an additional couple of apps of lexicon with Segway and Dacanil rotated, you know, during the grow-in to keep diseases out. And he had 25 some odd inches of rain during his first six weeks of grow-in. And, and conditions like this, and he was still successful. 
and growing it in. So I thought, that was a damn good program we wrote for him under those conditions. His second grow in was flawless. It, it, it worked great. Anyhow, you know, we've tested this with Tiff Eagle, and those sprigs that you see in the back were treated one time with Lexicon uh, up in uh, Camden uh, with, new, with uh, modern turf. Those are what we would call normal looking sprigs in the, in the foreground. And then about four weeks into the grow-in, this is kind of difference I was seeing. And what you're seeing there is one, basically one treatment at 0.47 ounces, the high rate of lexicon on the sod farm, seven days before they pulled the sprigs and brought them to us compared to this. And then we had some, you can see some pretty good plots over here in the weak side where we treated at sprigging and we did okay. But nowhere did we do as good as when we treated on the sod farm. So this is now routine. For our Tiff Eagle grower, this is routine. For the Browns in Texas, this is routine. I haven't heard if Hank Kerfoot's doing it or not, but I'm sure he is, because he's, he's seen this uh, also. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Turf Dudes. To send Dr. Schneider and the Harold's Turf Dudes team your questions or comments or to be featured on an upcoming episode, reach out to us at Turf Dudes on Twitter or by email to turfdudes at heralds.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play Music or tune in directly at www.turfdudes.com. Send us your questions to at turfdudes on Twitter or by email to turfdudes at heralds.com. Turf Dudes is spelled T-U-R-P-H-D. U-D-E-S.